Welcome to Fringe with Benefits, episode 78. Fringe with Benefits has been a light in a deep, dark void of the mainstream narrative. A place where you can come visit with Stacy and friends and explore other options and other ideas. Stacy will not judge you for your thoughts on 9-11 or Sandy Hook. And Stacy is me, and I'm about to embark on a new adventure besides podcasting. But for now, I come to you to scramble your brain on all things anomalous, peculiar, weird, and abnormal. Here we are for another segment of Stacy Socials, and we're going to start with a New York Post article. It's very brief, and the reason why I chose it is because it's strange, okay? This guy crashes his car near this Capitol parade in D.C., drove this vehicle into this barricade at the U.S. Capitol, opened fire in the street before fatally turning the gun on himself as his car bursts into flames. So anybody who... Okay. (laughs) Running into anything, your car doesn't automatically burst into flames, I guess depending on how fast you drive it. But I thought that that was really weird. When he got out, he subsequently fired several shots. Capitol Police officers approached the man, and that's when he fatally shot himself. Their statement was, at this time, it does not appear the man was targeting any members of Congress who are on recess, and it does not appear any officers fired their weapons. And it was really, really early in the morning. Like, late, late at night, early, early in the morning. Which is strange. So why would he be targeting any members of Congress if it was in the middle of the night? I don't know. I thought it was a really strange story. Next is this graphene radio frequency electronics thing. There was a paper published in the Journal of Nature Communications in 2014. It was entitled Graphene Radio Frequency Receiver Integrated Circuit. This explained how graphene has superior electrical properties and has a strong potential as a future channel material in radio frequency electronics. The study's abstract reads, fabrication of a graphene integrated circuit without significantly degrading transistor performance has proven to be challenging, posing one of the major bottlenecks to compete with existing technologies. Here we present a fabrication method fully preserving graphene transistor quality, demonstrated with the implementation of a high-performance three-stage graphene integrated circuit. The fabrication method involves the use of nearly nanoscale-sized circuit components that are assembled for the purpose of radio signal amplification, as well as filtering and down-conversation mixing. Study explains graphene was successfully used in these experiments to perform practical wireless communication functions, receiving and restoring digital text transmissions on a 4.3 gigahertz carrier signal. There was also this journalist had made a discovery recently about COVID, a jab-related clots that are not, in fact, blood clots, as many believed. These non-blood clots found using mass spectrometry contained high concentrations of electrically conducive elements such as sodium, aluminum, and tin. The clots themselves also appear to draw or harvest metal elements from the circulating blood supply to build and expand their structure and size. They write, it's noteworthy that many of these elements are conductive. Aluminum is the most common alternative to copper for use in electrical wiring. Sodium is an alkali metal 
that is highly conductive. And tin is used as a primary component in solder alloys used to manufacture or repair circuit boards. Now the 2014 study mentions how graphene is used to create tiny circuit boards of microscopic size that enhance the conductivity and use of other metals. So could this be that the shots are self-assembling tiny circuit boards from metals siphoned from the blood, resulting in clots? The article goes on to discuss the clot is almost entirely lacking any key marker elements that would be present in human blood, such as iron and potassium, yet shows significantly higher concentration of elements that are used in electronics and circuitry. It does not appear that these clots are living the same way as hair or fingernails. They appear to be dead biostructures that have self-assembled to the point of killing their host. And it also could be said that maybe they were living before their victims died. Prions are self-assembling, but non-living biostructures too. They are basically misfolded proteins that spread throughout the brain, causing morphological alterations that nullify both the normal structure and the function of neurological cells. Something does not have to be alive in order to be self-assembling, including viruses. In traditional virology, they are dead structures that are nevertheless self-assembling and can grow in size and mass in terms of their aggregate population. So I realize that this article is a little all over the place because you're talking about um, certain minerals that are already in the body, metals that are already in the body, metals that may have been in the vaccine, and the conductivity of each of these metals. Well, there might be some sort of inf external influences triggering coagulation of these elements present in humans. And there is coincidental fact that concentration of these deaths are partially in 5G zones. How polluted our environment is now with electromagnetic frequencies with all of our wireless devices. High Wi-Fi, microwave exposure, all of that can contribute to this. So there is also speculation about possible presence of calcium inside of these clots. And we do not know, we're, we're waiting to see if they're going to tell us if that substance has been found in them or not. And then the 2014 graphene study says, to end this and wrap this up nice and tidy in a bow, quote, I'd also read up on the nanographene-based tissue scaffolding technologies, end quote. Okay, next. Anthony Fauci is planning to step down as director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases come December, he said. He's 81 and he will be vacating his position. He says, I am, while I'm moving from my current positions, I am not retiring. After more than 50 years of government service, I plan to pursue the next phase of my career while I still have so much energy and passion for my field. He also say, told New York Times, when polls said only about half of all Americans would take this vaccine, I was saying herd immunity would take about 70 to 75%. And then he said, then when newer studies say 60 or more percent would take it, I thought I can nudge this up a bit. So I went to 80, 85%. Hmm. He also suggested to the BBC, quote, I don't think we're ever going to be able to determine whether restrictions were too severe, end quote. He said all kinds of things, and he's also said that he was not, um, he didn't authorize gain-of-function research. That was a complete lie. He said that he wanted to continue to advance science and public health and to inspire and mentor the next generation of scientific leaders as they prepare the world to face future infectious disease threats. 
and he added, over the coming months, I will continue to put my full effort, passion, and commitment into my current responsibilities, as well as prepare the Institute for a leadership transition. NIH is served by some of the most talented scientists in the world, and I have no doubt that I'm leaving this work to very capable hands. <sighs> Scumbag. Frontline doctors had something to say. Today, we bring you two pieces of good news. First, on Thursday, August 11th, the CDC issued new guidance on their COVID measures. As many of you are aware, the unvaccinated have been treated like a black sheep. Thousands have been fired and denied employment for refusing the injections. Families have been divided and uninjected family members have been shunned. The uninjected have been barred from concerts, sporting events, and other activities. Experts and judges alike have denied the argument that natural immunity is equal to or superior to immunity from the vaccine. We the people have watched in utter disbelief as the propaganda has spread. Friendships and family relationships have been torn apart. Healthcare heroes are thrown away. And early treatment is denied to patients, all in the name of science. But for now, the first time since this pandemic has begun, the CDC is publicly announcing that we, what we have long known to be true. Natural immunity exists. Vaccine-induced immunity wanes, and there should be no segregation between the vaccinated and the unvaccinated. Here are some new key takeaways from this guidance. Guidelines will not change based on vac vaccination status. People who have been fever-free for 24 hours may end isolation on day five if they also test negative. Screening of the asymptomatic with no known exposure is no longer recommended. Do you guys remember about a year ago what things were like? Don't ever forget. Promise me you'll never forget. Next, Steve Kirsch estimates that one person is currently dead from the vaccines for every thousand doses administered. The US, roughly 600 million doses have been administered. That's more than one for every person in the country, but that's because we're there having them get double to triple dosed. That roughly equates to about 600,000 deaths in the USA and counting. Worldwide, with over 12 billion doses administered, we've likely seen around 12 million deaths so far. More conservative estimates put that number at 5 million rather than 12 million, but in either case, it's millions globally. Thanks to the efforts of Dr. Jane Ruby and embalmer Richard Hirschman, who were able to get post-vaccine clot samples for laboratory analysis, we have been able to establish several shocking facts about these clots. One, the clots grow larger over time inside the body's circulatory system. This means that they are self-assembling systems or biomachinery. Two, as they grow larger, they accumulate or harvest certain elements from the circulating blood supply. Via ICP-MS laboratories testing, we have conclusively shown that tin, aluminum, and sodium are being harvested from the blood and incorporated into structures of the clots. Three, as the clots grow, they take up more space in the blood vessels. At first, the live blood simply flows around the clots, but clots may be dislodged during rigorous physical activity, such as jogging or playing soccer. Or the clots may at some point achieve 100% blockage of the artery, resulting in a died suddenly event. Importantly, it appears that these clots take many months or even a year or two to grow in sufficient size to fully block blood vessels and arteries. And to our knowledge, there is no known cure to dissolve or remove these clots from the cardiovascular system. 
We have interviewed physicians who have attempted to treat these clots with powerful anti-clotting medications such as heparin, and these drugs achieve nothing. That's because these clots are not blood clots. They are elastic, rugged biostructures that resemble the strength and texture of rubber bands. I have manipulated these clots on live broad broadcast streaming via Alex Jones Show, where under a lab microscope I demonstrated the shocking strength and resilience of these structures. Again, they are not blood clots. They are strong, rubbery-like protein biostructures that absolutely do not belong in the human body. Next is a New York Post article about four Marines were killed during a NATO training flight. It was a U.S. military Osprey that crashed in Norway. They are saying it was caused by pilot error. The MV-22B Osprey with the call sign Ghost 31 crashed into a steep side of a valley in Bodo, Norway on March 18th. They're just reporting it now. Corporal Jacob M. Moore, Gunnery Sergeant James W. Speedy, Captain Ross A. Reynolds, and Captain Matthew J. Tom Kuitz died in the crash. Investigation shows from the recovered video and flight data that the causal factor for the Ghost 31 mishap was pilot error. Investigators say multiple factors may have caused the crash, including weather, training, maintenance, paperwork errors, recording device use, and inexperience in mountainous terrain. So this MV-22B Osprey has been dubbed the nickname the Widowmaker, and it was seen making a series of maneuvers before eventually crashing. Quote, they said, quote, though we cannot determine which pilot was at the controls, it is clear that the aircraft made a series of maneuvers through the Gratadalen Valley that caused a loss of altitude, airspeed, and turning room in which Ghost 31 was one unable to recover. Following this crash in Norway in June, five more Marines were tragically killed in California after their MV-233 cra crashed. That was about 150 miles east of San Diego. That investigation is still underway to determine what caused that aircraft to go down. New York Post again, Alec Baldwin. Okay, now they're calling him out. Like, he pulled the damn trigger on his movie set in which he killed that producer. He said he didn't pull those triggers, but the FBI is saying that he did. New Mexico medical investigator ruled the shooting was an accident. District attorney has yet to decide whether to file charges. Steve Wolf, firearms expert, said the trigger must have been pressed. It's really important to discredit anyone who claims that guns fire themselves. If this becomes an acceptable defense, there goes any accountability when it comes to shooting people. We cannot have this kind of gun shoot themselves things because they don't. Former FBI agent turned Hollywood firearms consultant Bobby Chacon told the Post the same thing. The bullet striking and killing that woman came out of a barrel of a gun pointed directly at her. Bullets don't curve. He isn't in the matrix. The trigger would still have to be pulled. Alex said to Stephanopoulos, <laughs> he said, quote, I would never point a gun at anyone and pull the trigger at them. Never. And he was brazen enough to say he felt no guilt. In the same interview, Baldwin claimed that Hutchins told him, that's the gal that was passed away, to point the gun at her. He said, everything is at her direction. I'm holding the gun where she told me to hold it, which ended up right below her armpit. So the post is like, which is it, Alex? You'd never point a gun at anyone or you pointed the gun because she told you to? And is Hutchins to blame for you pulling the trigger and shooting her? 
As a producer on Rust, Baldwin may also share blame for the rookie mistakes and cost-cutting that led up to this tragedy, because don't forget, the morning she was killed, seven crew members walked off set over safety concerns. At least one had sounded the alarm to the unit production manager at one point texting, quote, we've now had three accidental discharges. This is super unsafe, end quote. Then you've got these messages between Baldwin and Matt Hutchins. Wednesday, December 1st, 2021, Hutchins reaches out to Baldwin. And Alec Baldwin replies with, I'm with my kids, exclamation points. And he said, your attorney told me not to contact you, so what's up? Again, he says, make sure you tell your lawyer that you reached out to me and not vice versa. So Matt says, of course, you can always text me if you have something on your mind. And Alec responds with, your lawyer sent a variant of cease and desist to me, told me not to contact you, so there's that. Obviously, Alec's a little pissed off and on edge. He needs to be charged, in my opinion. Strange happenings. That's a really strange thing that went down. Next is a search effort, like an extremely huge search search effort for a missing California teenager. I do not know if she's been found. There might be an update on this, but this is the latest that I found. Keely Rodney, Nevada County Sheriff's Captain San Brown, shared this development, which came 10 days after Rodney, who's 16, vanished from a campground party near the Prosser family campground in Truckee. Police said that they were going to switch into an investigative mode after scouring the area of Lake Tahoe from the air, the ground, and underwater for her. She was last seen around midnight, 12.30 a.m. on August 6th at a large party with more than 100 teens and young adults. Her silver 2013 Honda CRV hasn't been located and her phone has been without a signal since that morning. Police are looking to talk to witnesses and review video from the party. No one has withheld information. Some revelers have been advised by adults not to talk to the police. It was revealed at a press conference. Placker County Sheriff Lieutenant John Barnhart said, If you have not come forward and if you were there and you saw something, please come forward and let us know. Authorities said that they had pursued more than 1,200 leads in the case, all of them dead ends. Where the hell did she go? Hmm? Is this a missing 411 thing? Is this a case in which she was taken and she was murdered? We need to find that little girl. Next is First Lady Jill Biden, the president's former babysitter, who's now our first lady, or I wouldn't even call him the president, our our fake president. She's 71, double vaxxed and boosted, but returned a positive PCR test. Okay, PCR tests are crap. She's got cold-like symptoms, and they're saying she has COVID. She's going to self-isolate for at least five days and remain at her South Carolina home where the first family had been vacationing until she receives two consecutive negative tests. She has mild symptoms. Oh, boo-hoo. Anne Hesh. We talk a little bit about this on Into the River podcast with Ashley. You'll hear that interview later. She was declared brain dead Friday in California. The actress, best known for her roles in the NBC drama The Brave, she never regained consciousness after suffering horrific burns in a car crash on August 5th in L.A. She was kept on life support so her organs could be preserved and donated. A report indicated that she had drugs in her system when she barreled her blue Mini Cooper into a suburban L.A. home, igniting a serious fire. 
The L.A. Police Department obtained a warrant shortly after pulling the actress from the wreckage and tested her blood alcohol level. She's survived by her 13-year-old son, Atlas, and her 20-year-old son, Homer, and she's survived by her mother, Nancy. Okay, first, did you guys see the video of the scene in which she's being pulled away on the stretcher? And she's covered with all those blankets. Do they really ever cover burns, like serious burns like that? Okay, so maybe they thought she was deceased, so they covered up. Um, that, but then why the hell did she sit up before she got in the ambulance with her arms wide up like she was panicking and freaking out? And then they pushed her down and then pushed her into the ambulance. They donated her organs. I mean, God bless her for being on the donor list. But if she was, you know, being targeted, it's probably not a good idea to be on the donor list. Also, if there was drugs in her system, is it acceptable to for organ donation when there's drugs in your system, including like fentanyl and cocaine? I don't know. You let me know. I don't know. I would just figure if you were high on drugs or you had drugs in your system, they wouldn't parcel out your organs. Not only that, but she was also working on a documentary about human and child trafficking. And as we all know from all the previous deaths, Chris Cornell, Chester Bennington, um, Anthony Bourdain, Kate Spade, the doorknob murders, all those people supposedly were involved in exposing child trafficking. So just like too many weird coincidences. Welcome to the accountability segment. Okay, I know I haven't put out the podcast as regularly as I normally have, but that's just plainly because I have way too much going on. Life is great, but I have a lot I want to accomplish this year, and sometimes the podcast isn't first in line, so I'm really sorry to everybody. Next, I cannot say too much, but it is likely, though not for sure, that I will be going off-grid next month for an extended amount of time. This means the podcast will not be produced and emails will not be responded to. I can guarantee one thing, though, that I will have a ton of stuff to share come that time. Business, follow me on all the socials. They will be linked below in the show notes, so you don't have to do anything. Just click on the links and give me a follow if you have to create a new profile on a new platform. Jeez, I mean, change is good, right? Telegram link is below, Patreon, uh, Inward Survival. Go to inwardsurvival.com. Join the mailing list over there. Twitter, at Stacy Fringe. Need some more followers, It's although it's growing, so thanks, you guys. And there is a link for Forbidden Clothes if you want to go buy some stuff to say screw you to the man. That's where you're going to go for some excellent threads that are helping us say, um, no, we're not going to live in this dystopian communist society. So go check that out. Use the Fringe with Benefits promo code or just hit the link and it'll go straight there. You know, we have a place where you can send all your scary stories and your weird stories. It's called Fringe with Benefits Mailbag. Send us an email at fringewithbenefits at protonmail.com. That's fringewithbenefits at protonmail.com. Just how it sounds. Last week, I teased that we went on this ghost tour and we learned about this ship. And it was Tacoma's largest maritime disaster. 
and there's all this mystery surrounding it. So if you haven't heard about it, it's the Andalana. 1899 it happened. It was a, a four-mast bark, I think that's what it was called, moored in Commencement Bay, about half a mile off the shores of what were the St. Paul and the Tacoma lumber docks. This vessel was about 10 years old, and it traveled all around the world, from Liverpool to New York to Calcutta to Shanghai. It raced from Hong Kong to San Francisco in 31 days in 1892. It was a 304-foot vessel, that was shuttled itself from Shanghai to Port Angeles in just 47 days and then sailed to Tacoma just a few days later. It emptied its load of steel and prepared to fill its hulls again with wheat. But there was a storm and the ship began to sway and waters were rough. And because the hull was empty, it made the ship seem more like a cork floating in the water. The ship tugged and strained against the chains when it was moored in place. The ship was under waves by dawn. Its 17-member crew was never seen again, and no witnesses saw what happened. So the news about this went all around the world, in newspapers everywhere. The only evidence that the ship was ever even there was a lifeboat that was found on shore, had its broken chain still attached, and a mattress bearing the Andalana name was found floating in the water. Investigations later determined that it had been made top-heavy because of the empty hull, and it broke and capsized. The accident literally took minutes. The story remains because it marked the largest shipping disaster in Tacoma, and the fact that the ship was never raised and salvaged. The ship and the 17-member crew still rest on the floor of Commencement Bay. Tacoma Historical Society treasurer and author Deb Friedman says that they think it's still under there and they still think that they can find something. Since the ship was empty, any salvage operation would find some rotten wood and rusty iron, and the only known relics from the ship are a handful of gavels by Republican clubs, used by Republican clubs in the region that were forged from iron rails that divers retrieved in 1954, and a port window in the collection of the Washington State Historical Museum. The Tacoma Historical Society had relics of sorts on display. However, it was a scale model of the Andalana that a man had carved from a piece of wood salvaged from another disaster, the streetcar disaster from July 4, 1900, that left 44 people dead. Now, if you're into numerology, 17 has great significance. 44 people, or 44, has great significance. Okay, so that streetcar disaster was the city's worst streetcar tragedy that ever happened. So literally within a year. And what's cool about that little carving is it's made from both of those disasters that happened so close together and in the same area. So like all disaster stories, there's lots of tales of coincidence and close calls surrounding the Andalana. And that further feeds into the retelling of its story as history or as a ghost story. The captain expected his ship would be towed into the loading berth the following day and was invited to have dinner ashore. He declined the offer, saying his place was aboard the ship. He would drown hours later. The ship's apprentice went to, sh apprentice went to shore to find a doctor because he had an abscessed tooth. And he was there when the ship sank. The ship was lightly crewed since 10 of the men had signed on to serve aboard another ship. All who remained had perished. One of the craziest stories about the Andalana is that the dead are photographed in a single image. See the link below for this article 
with the image. The photographer, Willem Hester, had taken the photo the previous day. They were all dead, including the dog, by the time the photograph was printed. The story goes that Hester was devastated and refused to photograph entire crews through the rest of his career, demanding at least one member step out of the frame before he stepped the picture. The story goes on with other cursed ventures in recovering the lost ship. Two divers perish trying to recover the ship because they think that they've found it a couple of times. And a well-known diver today has suffered some ill-fated attempts. And although he's been warned, he still is looking for it today. I'm going to drop their name again, Pretty Gritty Tours, for a fantastic ghost tour in Old Town, Tacoma. Go check it out. If not, um, he does them in other parts of the Pacific Northwest, Olympia, I think, and Seattle. So go check him out. Follow him on Instagram and TikTok. I think he's on there, too. And like I said, send your mail to fringewithbenefits at protonmail.com. If you got a ghost story, you better send it. Welcome back to Fringe with Benefits and Into the River with Ashley, Joe, and Stacy. And we've we're like reuniting. It's been a it's been a bit, you know. It How's it going? <laughs> it's going good. It has been a while. I needed a big break. I feel like every couple months I'm like, sorry guys, I'm on a break. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I gotta do that too. In fact, I I took a few weeks. I got sick. I got like crazy sick. Really? Yes. Um, it started with, I got a really bad sunburn. And so I think my immunity was down and then I was really tired for a whole week. And of course I still work through it. Um, and then on a Saturday night I went to bed and I felt like my head was in a clamp and I was hallucinating. My fever was so high. I was seeing like all these black shapes coming at me and I was like laying on shapes and I couldn't get comfortable it was awful. So if it, this is what the whole thing was about, then it kind of felt like something had invaded my body, like a really bad flu and that it felt very unnatural. And I felt like I was in like this hellscape, um, like Silent Hill or something just sick and demented. And it, it kicked my ass for two full days. And then I was okay. Of course I didn't, I wasn't testing or anything. And then, um, I ended up with a double ear infection. Oh my goodness. Did you take anything? I did for the double ear infection. And then, um, towards the end of the sickness, I kind of let my body do its job, but I did take ivermectin and then, you know, the yeah, I actually recently discovered, cause I've been sending people to a doctor in Florida who's licensed in California and some other States who will do zoom calls and send ivermectin. And I've sent so many people to him. He's incredible, but I recently found out there's a website. You can just buy it. Really? straight off of yeah I will put the link in the show and once I find it after I have some girlfriends who just ordered a stockpile like so much ivermectin I'm like this is amazing you can literally just order it online I had no idea you can skip the doctor costs nice because it's cost me like at least 150 bucks to get like 16 pills through this prescription that's crazy I don't know the pricing but I will share it I'm glad you're feeling better though I feel like I don't know if you get this but the last year specifically, it's almost like health has been more difficult as far as overcoming things. It's almost like, I don't know if it's combination between the, the low grade food and the poisoning in our food and what they're spraying the skies with and our lower immune system due to all of the other things. But I've been in a similar boat as far as um, 
just been tired for a straight year. Like it's yeah. not natural for a person of 39 who's not like extremely obese or anything like that. But yeah, I just felt like everything was taking me longer to get over. I've been completely exhausted. And I just feel like that's why I wanted to talk to you a little bit about health and the importance of health. Because mm-hmm. I got to the point where my boyfriend and I did a nine day fast where we only had juice from my juicer and it was quite the experience. And I actually thought about you like a lot during it because I was like, this girl literally on naked and afraid went twice and didn't eat. What was the longest you went with not eating? Oh, shoot. I think the one that always sticks in my head is like how long I went without taking a poo. That was like 20 something days, but uh, (gasps) without eating, I think it was somewhere around seven to 10 days of just water. Yeah. And then there was a point where, cause we were in the, in South Africa, we were in a drought. And so there were no fruits. Like we had cattails, but that's barely any um, calories there was a point where we were digging um, seeds out of elephant poop and then roasting the seeds because the seeds, they they don't digest them. And so the fruits that the elephant had eaten, they left just the little seed, which it was delicious, but it, that's pretty desperate. So wow, yeah, I lost 40 pounds in 40 and days. That's incredible. No, I, I, got this book that I will also link in the bottom of this uh, talking about fasting can save your life, I believe is the name of it. And it was written in 1964 by this incredible doctor. And it's all about water fasting, which I did not do. I, for some reason, when I try to do water fast, I get like drunk feeling Mm -hmm. and nauseous and sick. And like, it doesn't work so well with me, but the juice really tremendously helped. But that book still, I read through it and I was fascinated by the effects of fasting. And I'm sure that your body went through some crazy, some crazy like transformational healing. During oh that yeah, time. absolutely. It felt like it reset everything. Like my DNA just kind of like just yeah. corrected itself. And I really should do one myself. Uh, so I'm going to have to get that book. But how, so tell me about how it felt. Man, it was quite the experience. You know, I'm fortunate enough to be home and to have a flexible schedule. So I was able to really just nurse this thing and dive right in. And I don't know, I'm not discouraging people who have jobs that require a lot of attention and focus, but um, it would be really difficult to be honest. I think the it wasn't that it was painful or physically horrible. It was just all encompassing. I felt Mm -hmm. my brain was so foggy the whole time. And that never went away. I just felt like I was walking through like a lucid dream, just kind of like, which was a gift in the fast because I couldn't think about anything or focus on anything long enough to really think about food mm-hmm. or to think about, you know, the time going by. Cause it was all just kind of floating. I felt like I lost complete sense of time and was just kind of existing. But the first three days was the hardest because I was going through the caffeine withdrawals, I think from coffee yeah, and I had the headache and everything. But once I got past that, there's no hunger. There's like cravings would come in the beginning, but they would even go away. And it wasn't that I was hungry. It was just that, um, I don't know. It was very interesting. What was I going to say? I kind of lost my train of thought. So after the hard part kind of went away, 
uh, I started noticing some things right away that were there. So I had this bruise. I fell. I was outside in the dark one day and I have a little step down in my backyard and I saw a helicopter with no lights fly by. And I was like, that's so weird. So I went out chasing it to see and I forgot about the step and I took a huge crash and I pivoted so that I would fall on my leg and not twist my ankle. So I had like a grapefruit size bruise that was just starting to turn when I started the fast. And for me, bruises will go into like a greenish, nasty color and they'll last forever. Well, three days into the fast, I looked down and my bruise is gone. The whole thing is healed completely, which is not typical of me. So I knew something was helping. And then I've had this bump under my armpit. That's like the size of a dime, Uh which I know I should probably get checked out, but it was there for months. And about day seven, I was shaving one day and I realized it was gone. Yes. Yes. And it was there for a month. So those are two things, but then I lost 15 pounds. I felt around day four, like my body was alive on the inside. Like I started to feel like my cells were waking up and my nerves were different. I kept getting like these really good feeling chills, like on the inside of my body that it was, it was incredible experience. So I, I like you feel like it reset my body completely. Um, day four, I started waking up at the normal time. I do the last year I've been waking up around seven or eight. I've always been up with the sun girl, like 5am and that went back. So I feel like it set me back on my circadian rhythm. Um, so yeah, that's just a few of the things, but I would recommend to anyone to do resets, even if it's a three day or four day reset on some level to give your digestive system a break, you know? Yeah, that sounds great. Like I really want to do that. I think I did a a 24 hour fast recently. And even that made me feel better. It does because that's the thing is what people don't know. I think I've said it on this podcast before is our, the majority of our body is working on our digestion. So Mm -hmm. when you just stop that process for a little while, it starts to naturally heal everything else. So Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing. And so now it's just a matter of I'm back into an intermittent fasting lifestyle where I'm giving, I'm trying to eat between five and six hours a day and then only good foods um, and then give myself those fasting times every single day. So, oh, the last thing I'll say, because I can't speak to this enough, is um, I've always had issues with constipation and Mm -hmm. bowel stuff and it runs in my family. And I have been the most free flowing I have ever been in my life ever since like everything just it was like three or four days of not going to the bathroom because I had no food in me. Mm -hmm. But once I started eating again, it was just like the best experience I've ever had. So that sounds great. Yes, I'm so motivated. (laughs) Do it. Do it. So I highly recommend anyone out there do it. Or at least something like, I feel like one thing I posted on my Instagram, what recently, as I was going through this experience was kind of, a, it was a very deeply spiritual experience too. um, connecting to your body and witnessing your body heal in real time is kind of a reminder of the gratitude we should have for this like vehicle while mm-hmm. we're here. And I was thinking how in the last two years, I've really put myself last and I've been doing everything reacting to the world and trying to help people, but I have not helped myself physically and I have not prioritized that. And, you know, before this, you and I were kind of discussing some of the mental health issues that people are experiencing. So I think now is a a really good time for people to consider, um, taking step backs and really starting to focus on inner healing, mm-hmm. whether it be spiritual, physical, mental, whatever, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Like 
I, I heard something recently that we we escape feeling our emotions all the time, whether it's through food, drugs, alcohol, anything to not feel these emotions. Well, these emotions are kind of like our soul's way of checking in with ourselves and that it's really important to allow yourself to feel those. And we spend most of our life running away from feeling what we're like literally meant to feel and taking the time to do a fast, like you said, or even if it's some sort of like inner shadow work journaling, I saw a a great advertisement for, it was a journal in which you store all your negative stuff in like all your gripes and all your complaints and everything bad that you feel goes into this journal, which is something I've been doing for a really long time. I have a a journal for my inspirational goal setting. And then I have a negative journal in which I put all the the filth that I feel, um, the hatred I feel, all my rage emotions. I just go in there and I just spew it. And it, it's meant for that one particular dark book. And then I've got the light book too. But I think that's a great idea is for people to get out their gripes. And a lot of the time we get our gripes out to other people and on social media which is fine too, but if that's all you're doing, you're not really bringing good things to others, and there, that's some bad karma too. Is to to gripe, but I'm I'm guilty of it myself. But it doesn't help. Oh, I love that. Yeah, it doesn't help. That is a really good idea of writing it down. I do something similar, but it's like I didn't even realize I was doing it until recently. I was like, oh, I've been doing this for a long time now. Is when I'm frustrated about something towards someone it's usually either mirrored back through another person or it's actually about something someone else did Mm -hmm. um I'll I'm a writer so I'll start writing to them and it will just be getting all and the intention I never know if I'm going to send it or not and usually by the end I'm already so over it because I got it out that I don't send it and it's like oh I just wrote that to them for me to kind of like process and work through because as you're in the process of writing you're realizing your part in things and how you can look at it different and all of that and you're also like you said letting it out which is so important I think part of the reason we're seeing so many people just at their wits end losing their mind in all these different ways is because they don't have outlets for all right. of these intense feelings that they're having that are valid mm-hmm. you know we've been Absolutely. through the ringer as a society so yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it, it's, it's frustrating. You know, I've been going through some stuff with, you know, the former friends that just kind of fell off because we have um, different viewpoints on how things are going. Um, I had this one friend, we've been friends for years in college. And when this all happened, and I started speaking out against everything that was happening, she she told me that my thoughts and my feelings and my opinions were dangerous and that I shouldn't be sharing those because I, you know, I'm accountable for what I tell other people because I'm spreading this, you know, ludicrous way of thinking. And basically like the thought police, you know, you are being irresponsible by sharing your personal truth with the world and, and you need to stop doing that. And she even went as far as to say, because I didn't get the whole jabby jab that I, um, I shouldn't get medical treatment that I shouldn't be allowed to go to the hospital. Yeah. She told me that. Yeah. She told me that. And then she also has been trying to coerce my oldest child because he lives, he actually lives with her. He's, he lives in her basement, which I don't want him to be living there, but he's there for now. Um, but basically was trying to coerce him into getting it. Luckily he stayed 
steadfast and he's not allowing he knows she's out of her mind but still you know the fact that she's trying to push my kid into doing something that could be potentially harmful and mortally you know damaging he could die um it's infuriating and being able to how do you deal with those kind of that rage you know i've gone as far as getting a no contact order i I haven't filed it with the court but i'm like i'm thinking about moving back into that town so what do i do when this psycho confronts me if i run into her i know she could be violent i mean she was always the one that would you know attack others (laughs) Yeah. Sounds like it. Well, it's those people who are in a state of unrest and they don't, they, they're not going to be happy until everyone else does what they think they need to do. And there's a Mm -hmm. lot of people that have been pushed into that place because of fear, because Mm -hmm. the government sold them fear. So now they're like, well, everyone else has to do this thing before I feel safe, which is really sad, but it does get pushed into these rage moments and this violence. And We've seen it all over when, when you start to have an argument, there's so many videos, the person will just start screaming because Mm -hmm. to them, I can imagine like one, their skills, their developmental skills and their, their critical thinking and their ability to discuss things rationally that they've never developed, you know what I mean? So they're in a like childlike state. And so all they can do is fall apart. And it's, I don't know, because you do have to treat it seriously in those situations luckily I haven't encountered anything like that but I can't imagine and then to have your son yeah having yeah it's been a real test of my my patience and you know I try to think of like you know what are the things that really drive me nuts about her and 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 am I you know looking in a mirror is is she doing something that I you know despise that maybe I actually do god I hope not but it's it's a real lesson and um, I don't really know how I'm going to continue on with it because I think I need to write her a letter. I don't think I'll ever send it, but, you know, mm-hmm. she's pretty much not allowed me to express my response to what she has to say. And it's just, it's infuriating. It's really because when you're not allowed to say your piece, but they just shit all over you, it's just... um it's really upsetting. It's kind of like, maybe this is a lesson in self-control and patience and um, just being okay with myself and not, not allowing myself to be bothered by, by what other people are doing. Cause that is one of my biggest things. Like people have been driving me absolutely nuts. They still, you know, since this whole thing started, it's, it's driving me crazy. These people no. are driving me crazy. <laughs> No, I'm with you on that. And I think that it is a lesson. And I've been going through something similar with some experiences and some work groups, um, because personalities are everywhere, even on our side. And uh, there's some people who have really been trying to mess up efforts that we're doing locally. And it's, it's really difficult to see and witness uh, the way that they go about it. And I found myself being very angry. And then people who are getting things done are kind of getting attacked and pushed out of the way because of ego or whatever. And I've dealt with this anger for the last six months. And before I went on the fast, I knew that I needed to really let it go Mm -hmm. and work on that. And that is such a deeply personal thing that doesn't even involve that person. When I was younger, I used to have this guilt constantly that I carried around. So I would make these apologies out of like a sense of guilt, but they weren't genuine or sincere. 
I didn't realize at the time, but they weren't, they were more me looking for validation or to feel better about myself by saying the right words. And one thing I've learned is forgiveness rarely, at least in my experience takes place with both parties. Mm-hmm. It for me has taken place personally and right. letting that person truly go. So I had this weird experience on the fast because I went in with the intention of I'm correcting my body. I'm healing myself, but also I'm going to work on letting go of anger during this time. So um, I was outside one day, just grounding. I think it was day four. There's something magical about day four of this fast, but I was grounding and walking around in the grass and I was doing some light yoga. And then I was in prayer pose, um, standing in mountain, I believe. And all of a sudden I closed my eyes and the warmth of the sun is coming through. And then I started seeing these people's names just popping up in my mind. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. And so I started envisioning their names with like balls of light, warm, loving light around them. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about whatever is going on in them and sending them healing. And I found myself like praying and I don't pray often. I don't even know how to at this point, but this felt like one of the most genuine prayers I've ever had because my heart was leading it and it yeah. wasn't just words. And I was just envisioning them working through the healing, working through whatever is ailing them that causes them to need to get validation all the time or step on others to get where they're going. And I was like, Oh, this is kind of fun. It's a little step in the process. And I think it takes time. I'm not fully there yet, but, um, yeah, maybe it is a task for you. We're all going to falter. And I did, I spent some time because it was really eaten at me. So I spent some time just sending her love and, um, even if I didn't want to, I spent, I spent that time and I felt immediate relief. So that's awesome. I mean, it's going to work. It's going to, I, and I can't let myself be, um, harmed because of what other people are doing. That's, that's the greatest lesson for sure. But, I love these, I love these topics. I feel like this is all really necessary for where we are, but go ahead. <laughs> I think so too. I mean, there's so many people out there struggling. Yeah, Suicides really are. are up really, really high. People are you know, they're desperate and they're going to, you know, their doctors. Cause that's who else are they going to go to? They're going to go see a counselor. They're going to go see a doctor. Doctor's going to prescribe a medicine by all means. If you need to take that medicine, take it. But just remember there are, there are other ways. There are other ways to heal yourself, especially with mental illness. And, um, it's, it's really frustrating to see people, just be dependent on something else instead of going within and taking care of it with their nutrition, with their exercise, with their outlook, like just our thoughts alone, just con- control so much of our external and, um, you know, just seeing people losing their shit and getting so angry. Like I haven't seen so many p- people pissed off, like the whole Trump thing. So angry with Trump oh, for what? So angry with Alex Jones, like really? for like really for what oh sandy hook okay well i don't know i've been spending a lot of time looking at the whole sandy hook thing and it is weird and i don't know you know and it's just it doesn't make sense and a lot of a lot of the school shooter it's like it's 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 its own um genre like this is something that's been happening more and more frequently and what do all these kids have in common or young people typically they've they've all got uh mental health issues and that's kind of why why I wanted to talk about like these targeted in, individuals and um 
the technologies that may be being used on them, the, there's a really high percentage of them that say that they're hearing voices in their head. Now, granted, you could have a mental illness in which you're hearing voices in your head, but um, have you looked into the voice to skull technology? Or No, directed... I'm really fascinated to hear about this. Well, they've got directed energy weapons that can not only freaking vaporize you from space, but um, like 9-11 potentially, but also it can shoot energies, uh, biomagnetic frequencies into your brain and um, cause you to hear certain things. They even speculate maybe they could read or interact with their thoughts. I don't know how it works, but I watched... um, Stu Peters came out with a documentary, Them Little Ones. Did you see it yet? No. You've got to see it because towards the end, there's some really kind of, you know, deep in it stuff on Isaac Cappy and what he went through his last days. And there's a chick that was spending time with him, you know, as a friend, just trying to help him through because he was really going through it. He felt he was a targeted individual. He was hearing stuff in his in his head. He was hearing voices telling him that, you know, people were going to hurt him or, or to hurt others. She actually experienced the voice to skull technology with him. They were driving around. They were going to, from his house to get food. And he was actually in a town that I, I lived in before I moved up here, which I didn't know until this documentary. And they both started hearing Phil Collins in the air tonight. And you know how it's got that really crazy buildup with the drums and everything. She was hearing it. He was hearing it. They're looking at each other. The radio's off. So she actually witnessed this thing happening to him and she experienced it as well. And so that was kind of huge eye opener to me. Like, fuck, they were using it on him. They were doing that to him. And that's probably what drove him to either jump off the bridge. I don't think he was thrown off. I think he willingly jumped off, but I think he was forced into it in a way. And that kind of, you know, it triggers me to think that maybe some of these shooters were groomed to do this and they were taunted and harassed using this technology or, you know, combination with MK ultra or whatever to actually fucking do what they've been doing. Well, it um, makes perfect sense. That's what, have you ever listened to the Joe Rogan episode with the man who wrote the book about Charles Manson? No. It's excellent, but I think it took him, he started doing an article, he worked for a newspaper and he was doing, it was like the anniversary of the Manson murders or something. So he was doing an article which turned into losing his job because he never stopped researching for like 20 years and he wrote this incredible book and the things he was uncovering during that time he was just so blown away that he just kept going and going and a lot of it was about this mk ultra stuff where they would mind control people to commit these murders Mm. so that's a part of it too where people would commit a murder and then wake up and have no recollection of what they did whatsoever. And this has happened many times. I'm sure you're aware of that. Mm-hmm. Like with the CIA operations, this is all documented stuff that they can do. And it's like, it's terrifying when you think about getting inside of people's minds and manipulating them, especially, and I, not to be insensitive, you and I am sure on the same page with this, um, but it's a fine line. <laughs> but with the school shootings, um, it's sad to me how they be 
they're being politicized and always have been to infringe upon our, our rights because it's in a time of mourning and grief and to use these mm-hmm. tragedies to manipulate people because again, fear mm-hmm. um, to actually lose our rights to protect ourselves is also heartbreaking to watch. And it's interesting because you see the conservatives angry about only that. And then it appears there's a lack of sensitivity on their side. And then you see the other side crying and angry and um, ready to just hand away whatever to the government because of those emotions. And it's like somewhere in the middle is the answer. And I think that you're hitting right on with mental health. And that's the one that doesn't seem to want to be discussed. Like a lot of these kids also showed warning signs in school. Mm-hmm. and were ignored by their teachers and their principals mm-hmm. they and you know what parkland, I mean? the parkland shooter i guess there were multiple school officials counselors people in this kid's life that were they went to the fbi they went to the cops they really? reported yeah and they did wow. nothing see that's messed up that's disgusting too. and then if you look at the one recently with the cops that i haven't looked deeply into it but that is mind-blowing just to see the way that all of that went down And I do know there was a whole transfer of money to the police department, the school, a lot of really weird shady funds transferred right before that incident. Really? mm -hmm. That is something really fishy going on about that. And it's hard because you want to show respect to those lives lost, but also um, are these things going to keep happening, you know, and is the government going to keep weaponizing these tragedies against the rest of us absolutely you know and why is it that no one at school is armed (laughs) like think about it you don't see shootings at politicians homes for the Mm -hmm. most part you don't see shootings at courtrooms you don't see shootings um at the white like I'm just saying there's places where there's armed security and there's less violence absolutely yeah why are these people not why aren't the principal and teachers armed or at least it says that this is an armed facility Mm-hmm. who's protecting these kids exactly. why is it politicians get secret service but kids don't get protection absolutely uh, that whole evalde thing you know that you know you see the video because they released the video of the cops standing around for a good hour before they decided to go in and then you see one of them was the husband to a teacher that was in there who had been shot and he was like he's got his gun he's trying to go through the crowd of cops and he's like she's she said she's been shot and he like half-heartedly tries to go through and they're like no 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 and they pull him back but then he gives up so if that was really happening to somebody which i'm not saying it didn't but do you think that they would give up so easily oh hell no my uncle is a cop Uh, he (laughs) put him in that situation not a single person is going to stop him from getting to my aunt or his daughter or his son you know right. what I mean? Like it's there's weird. no way in hell. It is it, there's something so fishy about that situation. That's the same thing <sighs> with um I mean the Sandy Hook thing. I by all means, Alex Jones, I think he was doing a good service to all of us, even if those kids were all killed, which I half heartedly this is one that I, I've had a hard time wrapping my brain around it and even believe what he was saying. But um, the more and more that he's been kind of beat up over it, I'm like, well, maybe there's something to it. And I've I've looked into it. There's too much weird stuff that why don't they address that? Um, it's almost like they, they literally have to put this all in front of me. 
they didn't move those kids' bodies from the scene. They pronounced him dead at the scene. Cops are not allowed to pronounce anybody dead. They have to transport him. They're only pronounced dead at the hospital. Why didn't they ever transport these kids? Shit like that. Uh, you know, parents just um, uh, identifying their children through a picture. I know that that sometimes can happen, but any parent i'm a parent if my kid was killed at their school i want to see my kid in person dead dead or not i'm going to want to see i'm not going to i'm not just going to be like okay my kid's dead because you show me a picture i want to be at my child's side why didn't why didn't that happen or do Agreed. we not know and who the who the hell fucking laughs in front of a television crew after your kid was just murdered hours before it's it all just mm-hmm. is fucking weird and oh we're living in a, i think we're living in a controlled simulation i i just think that they take people out like you have the governor what is governor kemp's daughter's boyfriend mm-hmm. right before the election stuff he had the opportunity to do the right thing and pull the electors he his and he was saying he was going to do the right thing and then his daughter's boyfriend was murdered in a freak car accident where it blew up and it was clearly an explosion and then he changed his tune. What we just saw with Ann Hesh, have you been watching that? Yeah, I think that she might have been a victim of the voice to skull too. That, well, that instance, wow. Like, so for anyone who doesn't know, Ann Hesh died, but she also was working on a human trafficking uh, show on Lifetime, exposing true events of some of the trafficking issues. And I watched a preview the other day and it talks about where drugs are allowed to come in. Trafficking also happens, which is a huge highlight to the border and what's going on right now under these horrible policies. But she was recently in a freak accident where she drove into a house, which could have been, they could have been controlling the car. It also could have been what you said, mm-hmm. but as they're pulling her into the stretcher off in the stretcher, they pronounce, I think they said she was in a coma the very next morning, but they were pulling her, putting her into the ambulance. She was in a wrapped up bag and or sheets over her and she Mm -hmm. breaks free and starts fighting to get off the stretcher and they shove her in. Yeah. I saw she was like doing this. Yeah. She sits up. Right. And then the next day, it's the most eerie video ever. It aired on the news. And then you see the LA police department the very next morning puts out a statement that they will no longer be investigating the car crash that quickly and then she was pronounced dead coma taken off life support dead and they said that she was in too critical a condition to draw blood which is bullshit my friend used to work at a hospital and she says unless they're dead that's not true you really that's the very first thing you do in those situations you go in and you draw blood did you hear that she was a match for a donor for organs right right before yeah that was okay, the latest so, thing that came out I'll be talking about knows, that on the podcast <laughs> yeah no exactly well who knows all the whys behind that it's just another example of a, a freak situation that I don't trust and um, I mean think about it anyone who thinks that these powerful people with their agendas um, aren't going to protect their interests at all costs then those people are severely naive like mm-hmm. you think they wouldn't take people out come on yeah I'm surprised that Alex Jones is still walking you know same just everything that's been going on well, yeah what else should we discuss we got about 10 minutes or so anything else hot topics I mean obviously there's a big one Marlago, what yeah. the hell? Uh-huh. Let's talk about that. So, 
shit man obama took a bunch of classified documents and 33 million was that what it was 33 million yeah Mm -hmm. and no no freaking raised flags there but you know he said he said that he was gonna the put it into naro which is the national archives and he never did oh but that wasn't that because of the the covid thing that he couldn't he was going to build the building to make that happen yeah something well nara is already a thing like that he should have the presidential archives i don't know he said he was going to take it home and then put it in later but this would have been what six years ago over (laughs) you know what i mean like come on wouldn't he have his staff do that like i don't see him scanning documents and like what was he hiding do you think he would have taken them if donald trump was not named the next president probably not because hillary clinton bush all of those people obama keep each other's secrets so there's a reason he took that stuff out before and there's a reason that president trump wasn't given a peaceful transition of power they didn't give him the intelligence briefing that most presidents get because of the russia scandal Mm. russia hoax so it's very interesting and obviously we've seen this witch hunt go on since he came down the escalator but um for me personally I think this is going to be the biggest boomerang back at them ever. God, I hope so. I really, I, so. I, I think it's coming too. I, I feel a little bit of warm and fuzzy inside just knowing that it's going to happen. Well, even people on the right are speaking out against this. It's been a really incredible or on the left. I've been watching Twitter and some uh, Democrat politicians and actors and even Andrew Yang the other day was saying, this is not right. So we're starting to see some people who aren't just emotionally screaming for their color mm-hmm. um, actually look at this critically and understand how terrifying this is if we allow our agencies to conduct these kinds of invasions of privacy, which absolutely they've been doing. But I don't know. <laughs> I'm I'm not too worried about it for whatever reason. Also, someone I listen to and trust very much um, has alluded to the fact that Trump will be arrested potentially and or indicted but won't actually see charges so that's something I guess I've been bracing myself for a while so when I heard this I was like oh that's in lockstep what I've been hearing but I mean I guess we'll see damn damn so maybe he's the first arrest I kind of heard something similar the first arrest will shock the world (laughs) (laughs) well no matter what he's going to prevail and we're going to prevail yeah, I can't wait till that day. You know, it seems like everything's been on hold in my life. I know you probably feel the same way. It's just like ever since this stuff started. But it's like we were just, you know, lollygagging along in a dream prior to that because nothing was as what, you know, what it seemed. It So it's just weird. It's, and it's fucking badass. I mean, you, you can't help but not feel a little bit of excitement. So... I don't know. It's the impetus for me to push harder, I guess, and just do better. And we all need to be training and getting right with ourselves. We absolutely do. I watched, based on what you just said, I I watched this TikTok video this other day that this girl discovered, and I'm going to butcher it, so I'm not even going to try. I'll post the link to it down here and I will send it to you. But this girl realized that the uh, one of the original calendars, and I forget where it is. It's there's somewhere in the world where it's actually eight years prior. Ooh. 
and based on like the Gregorian calendar, I believe changed everything and it's different timeline than what it was. So it's like 2014 in, I forget the part of the world. That's why I'm butchering it. But if you think about it, it's right in line with the Mayan calendar, which would have set, and they looked up the date of the, the Mayan event of 2012, December in our calendar, it's December what is it? 20, what's 12. the last day? 31st, December yeah. 31st, 2019. Really? Which means that that would have been the end of the world and the start of the new world was January 1st, 2020. It yeah. blew my mind. I'm going to post it below. I will send it to you, but I was literally with chills looking at this, like, whoa, what is going on? And all the people in the comment section of her thing were on this original post we're saying like oh yeah it's not it's 2014 here and like you guys are on a different calendar and they have 13 months in their year so that's that means that we've missed eight years holy shit that's mind-blowing yes send that to me that means I'm still in my 30s what am I complaining about So it's worth checking into, but it made sense to me because I'm like, there was a very real shift. Remember how we were all talking about how like the age of Aquarius and all the shifts going to happen in December, 2020, I think mm-hmm. it happened in 2019. I really wow. do. Well, that could be why things are just so damn uncomfortable for everybody right now. And, 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 out, why- and out in the open, everything yeah. is to see, we can see it all, you know? Yeah. It's about time. It's starting to happen. That's exciting. I think so. I love it. I love it. Well, let's do another one of these soon. I think people love them, right? Yes. Uh, I'm feeling more like myself and more ready to like jump in and talk. I've just been so out of it and like self-care everyone. That's the biggest thing I can say is I needed to really be selfish and step back and Oh, it's so good. It's so important to feel good. And if you're tired all the time, if you're, you know, you gain some weight, whatever, it's fine. It's not about the physical looks. It's about the way you feel. It's about, is your body functioning? Is your liver processing possibly? Are you medicating to the point where you're making yourself sick? That was me. And so it's just, and it also, it just, once you see those numbers on the scale, like mm-hmm. that is a huge motivation for a new lifestyle. Like I've been Big eating time. so well ever since and enjoying it. So yeah, that's awesome. You look amazing. Enough. You look like you're glowing. Yeah. You look super happy and healthy. Getting back, getting back. I, I, I need to, man. Tired of being tired. Yeah. I, I, I've been beating myself down lately because I feel like shit. So I don't know what's going on with me, but I'll get back. Yes, you will. And we're all there. We're all there. I was there for so long and I was just putting me last and Mm -hmm. it's like, you're running on E for so long and your car is going to burn out. (laughs) (laughs) But kidding. Well, I love you so much. Yes. Let's do these more often. I'm sure there'll be a lot of good stuff to talk about in the future. This was a nice, just come back and touch base and I miss you. Oh, I love you too. and miss you. (laughs) We'll do it again. And thanks everybody for listening. Have a good day. You too. Inward survival school of magic. We're going to talk about fear and the fear of learning. Because I run into a lot of people that just don't want to learn new things. You know, especially like older people in technology. They just like, oh, what's the use of this? And I just don't want to. It's like they're unwilling to learn a new thing or to use it. So this is kind of for them in a way. There are seven different methods of learning. 
in which reading and listening to lectures are actually the least effective. Among the seven methods of learning, the first four methods encompass the so-called passive learning, while the other three fall into the category of active learning. Active learning is significantly more effective than passive learning. And that's why it's necessary to combine passive methods with active ones. So of the passive methods, there's listening to lectures, it's about 5% effective. Reading is about 10%. It's extremely important it's when it still comes to the context of learning, you memorize only a very small percentage of what you actually read in the long term. And it's important that you're an active reader. That means when you connect with what you're reading in a content that you already have read or in your own experience in life, doing mind maps or connecting new knowledge to previous knowledge, you also have to be an active reader and at the same time very critical towards everything you read. Then you've got listening to audio recordings or watching video material. That's about 20% effective. Watching television definitely doesn't count. The television is a multimedia ad display that's programming you into consumeristic zombies. And the ones living real life are the ones on the other side of the TV screen. So pay attention to that. The only sensible thing to do is to throw the TV away. Demonstration is about 30% effective. If somebody shows you how to do something, you will remember significantly more than if you just read about it or saw it on a video. But when mentoring, you, you should show someone how to do it and then force them in a nice way to do it too. Group discussion, 50% effective, especially when you have to defend your own opinion in an intellectual discussion. Real life experiences, 75% effective. Real life experience is by far the fastest way of learning and improving your competence cannot understand the things you haven't experienced in life. Next, teaching others after real life experience. That's 90% effective. When you start teaching others, you learn and remember the most. Once you give lectures or write books or maybe even start a blog, you become an expert at something. And this is mostly true when it comes to gaining knowledge. You can still develop skills more or less only in the basis of experience. And giving countless lectures on a topic of leadership, for example, does not help you if you've never been in the position of a leader. Combination of different methods, whether it be passive or active methods, is the real winning combination here. When you want to improve your competence, you achieve by far the biggest effect if you learn with combination of several stated methods. One method's going to suit you better than some others, and you just go with what works for you. And people learn different things in different ways. You want to connect, repeat, and then check with your own experiences and reality. You are the investment with the highest potential yield in this world. So invest in yourself and at the same time, enjoy improving your abilities. The more you know, the more you are worth. That was written by Blot's Cause. He is a consulting and management coach. Next, let's talk about neophobia. Neophobia is the fear of anything new, especially a persistent and abnormal fear. It can manifest as the unwillingness to try new things or break from routine, and it's also common find in finding in aging animals. Although apathy could also explain it or contribute to explain the lack of exploratory drive systematically observed in aging. Researchers argue that the lack of exploratory drive is likely due to neurophysiology, and that's due to the dysfunction of neural pathways connected to the prefrontal cortex observed during the aging process. Robert Anton Wilson theorized in his book, Prometheus Rising, that neophobia is instinctual in people after they begin to raise children. His views on neophobia are mostly negative, believing that it's the reason human culture and ideas do not advance as quickly as our technology. His model includes the idea from Thomas Kuhn's The Structure of Scientific Revolutions, 
which is that new ideas, however well-proven and evident, are implemented only when the generations who consider them new die and are replaced by generations who consider the ideas accepted and old. So that could be our kids with the internet, you know? Last but certainly not least, we have nothing to fear when we, it comes to learning new things. Some people, fear is the motivator as to why they don't learn new things. Some people believe they require fear to excel and they count on that adrenaline rush to push them forward. And pressure can play a useful role. Stress that's powerful enough to cause fear ultimately will shut us down though. Fear causes the amygdala regions of the brains to, or the amygdalae re regions of the brain to release the stress chemicals, cortisol and vasopressin, putting the body on alert, quickly shutting down higher order thinking, long-term memory and our capacity to perform. Fear constrains performance, but some business leaders blame everything from unmotivated workers to outmoded training departments for lackluster productivity. The fear of learning, actually, fear what's to, fearing what's to be learned, results in the greatest stagnation. When employees become uncomfortable about learning, when fear in influences how we do our jobs, it affects the bottom line. We've got worry over other people's opinions, anxiety around changing routines, panic over possibility of failing, personal distrust around mastering a topic, and terror facing the real scary stuff. Each fear leads otherwise curious people to avoid exploration and lose out on learning experiences. It's advised that we examine our fear and find our way through. The first fear, feeling dumb. Perhaps you think that, you know, people are going to think you're dumb for asking a particular question. If you're feeling dumb makes you feel uncomfortable, there's always room to grow. So never, never fear feeling dumb. I know most people do, but screw it. We, everyone has something to teach us and we have something to offer everyone else. Failure, retry, abort. Marie Montessori recognized that seemingly simple activities require many steps. Rather than view the areas you fear in total, consider them as small individual parts. Start with a few small activities a little at a time, then equilibrate, building your momentum and overcome your fear. So when you fail, 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 try, try again, right? The not me. Do you fear that you can't learn a subject or maybe you just can't learn enough of it? You, it's always people, well, I couldn't do that. You know, they say that. Well, because of our unique learning styles and the way information is presented, some of us mistakenly believe that when it comes to learning, we're doomed, but that's not true. We can try an assorted amount of approaches. We just learned about certain methods earlier. The danger, danger. Sometimes learning feels too perilous to pursue. Imagined dangers can hold us back as much as real ones. The emotion center in the brain doesn't distinguish between what it remembers and what it imagines. Catastrophes you envision feel real. Fear could be an acronym for F, fantasy. E, expectations. A, appearing. R, real. Fantasy, expectations, appearing real. And then when we don't feel safe physically or emotionally, we will struggle to learn. This could be a huge problem for kids in school. Fear forward. When you're fear learning something new, try these tactics. One, say aloud exactly what you fear. Put it out in the open. Two, watch a highlight film. Visualize a mental movie staring you, starring you as a capable and competent person who knows he can endure under upsetting circumstances. So you just create your own film with you as the main character and play it out. 
Walk around the block or down the hall. Physically moving forward helps you feel strong and fit to deal with the situation. It could be why people pace when they're thinking. Next is create a mantra. Say, I can handle it or I can do this. This can bypass the state triggering your fear. Next is talk about what's stopping you. Tell someone what you need to do to take action. Perhaps you could use a little bit of help or some support. And then last is adjust your reaction by unlearning it. While fears can make learning feel difficult, when we truly want to learn something, it often seems effortless. Deliberate steps to unlearn our habits can open us up to new ways of working. So acknowledging fear by naming it, relating it to other experiences, recognize how a recent situation differs from past ones, and decide to try a different and new approach. When we gather our fears and then meet them, we can work our way past them. If we do this enough, we change our feelings about our situation and we can return to learning again. I constantly refer back to Chogyam Trungpa's book, Smile at Fear, because I mean, that's really all we can do with it. Either we're going to let it rule us or we're going to use it to our advantage. The Stoic of the Week goes to John Stuart Mill, and he said, There are many truths of which the full meaning cannot be realized until personal experience has brought it home. The only freedom which deserves the name is that of pursuing our own good in our own way, so long as we do not attempt to deprive others of theirs or impede their efforts to obtain it. And last, We have a right, also in various ways, to act upon our unfavorable opinion of anyone, not to the oppression of his individuality, but in exercise of ours. Have a great week, everybody. Make sure you click on the socials and follow.